Hello, this is Tom Pacello, the ROI guy, and welcome to the Evolvers podcast sponsored by sales enablement platform provider, Mediafly. Our mission is to provide you with the independent insights, community advice, and tools to guide your sales enablement journey and fuel your professional evolution. My guest today is Lance Shaw. He is the longtime product marketing leader and currently the director of solutions marketing for data backup, storage, and management firm Commvault. Prior to Commvault, he was the director of product marketing for language and content management provider SDL, director of strategic accounts and product marketing for Oracle, as well as having product marketing gigs with OpenText, Documentum, EMC, and IBM. Quite the illustrious product marketing career. And indeed, we're here to tap his product marketing and value leadership expertise today. Evolvers, please welcome Lance Shaw. All right, Tom, thank you very much for having me. It's great to be here and uh, looking forward to our conversation. Absolutely. So technology purchasing decisions, it's what you're involved in and trying to convince people to buy Commvault solutions. Uh, You know, it's certainly changed over the past few years and certainly accelerated by the current crisis. What are you seeing as some of the biggest changes? Um, well, I tell you, you know, and, and I would say probably driven by the, the pandemic, uh, and which let's hope that we're coming out of this really soon, looking forward to that. Uh, but some things I think are not going to change post-pandemic. I think, you know, one of the things that has changed over the past few years is, uh, is really the fact that just the number of stakeholders that, we, that, you're, that are involved with, uh, and that just the number of personas involved in a buying group, right? It's a uh, um, I don't know what the most recent numbers are, but I think, you know, it used to be you talked to a few people and you were good to go. Uh, now I think you talk to half the company uh, and then they get together and make a decision. Right. And oh, by the way, um, you know, they're doing a lot more research before they ever talk to a vendor. Right. So even though we do our best from a, from a lead development perspective and, and, and all that, um, they're, they're in parallel at the very least, they are doing some very thorough research. So by the time they, that conversation hits, um, you know, they've got a laundry list of questions to ask and uh, it's, it, it really it, it moves it along quite well right it, it, in many ways it can it can really be a benefit because you're not doing quite so much at least in-person education you're doing your education up front you're doing that obviously the web through you know organic and, and paid you know uh, uh you know postings and assets and everything else so uh, you know, part of that research we have a lot, lot more you have more people doing more research on their own before they ever talk to you Right. Um, I think the other thing that that ties into that is um, uh, is you know as people are buying it, it's it's the, it's the way that they are doing the purchase, right? So because um, more and more organizations, more and more vendors, really, I should say, are moving to uh, uh, an, a, a delivery of, of software as a subscription. Mm-hmm. So you know, so as, as the as the company moves from a traditional capex model to an opex model. Um, there's there there tends to be I think that helps drive some of the num or the, the number of people that are involved in those decisions uh, because uh, everybody has to say you're signing up for a two year three year deal um, and uh, and and they want to make sure they're doing the, the right thing so they don't have to go through the whole process again in three years now that's in many ways you'd say well that's not that different from when uh, I used to go to a company and and uh, you know sign a three year contract um, and the, but then you were you, many times though you felt much more locked in I think. With the with the move with many organizations, Commvault included, right, is all about simplicity, ease of deployment, ease of use, and you're, what you're really doing there is you're meeting consumerized expectations, and and so some part of those expectations are if everyone's doing that in your market, then it's easier for them to switch. 
so uh, you've really got to drive, um, uh, you know, uh, we'll probably talk about it a little bit here in different different ways, but you're really driving, trying to get to meet long-term expectations and meet long-term value forecasts so that they don't have to, uh, to, to, to put you out for RFP after three years or when it comes time for the subscription to renew. You want that to be an auto renew, right? It's like when I signed up for uh, whatever, Evernote or OneDrive or whatever, or the you know, other 500 subscriptions that each of us probably already have, Every one of those companies is betting you're just going to be like, yeah, like it's great, auto renew. And that's the same thing. Definitely. So certainly seeing more stakeholders. I think the metrics, uh, Gartner's got some that put it at, you know, a little bit more than a dozen stakeholders involved in an enterprise decision. When you get into mm -hmm. maybe smaller level decisions, you're still talking six, seven, eight folks. And as you said, it's different personas. You know, before when we were selling technology solutions, You'd have a predominantly technology or technology leadership audience. And now a lot of times, um, you know, Commvault is still a tech solution being in storage and information management, backup, protection. But um, there were business people involved in that decision, I think, like never before. And right. so, yeah. And so you've got to almost speak a different language. I know the business now is predominantly in charge of IT purchases. Right. And, you know, as from a, from a marketing perspective, that means you've got to be have some pretty robust persona based assets for your field to use. Right. Because they may or may not be fully ready to talk to move from a conversation from the IT architect to the line of business owner, to the security officer, to the compliance director. Um, that's a challenge. That's a challenge for anybody. That's a challenge for me. I, I can tell you that, right? That, yeah. that you're, you're, you're putting on a different hat as you walk into the room to talk to the person. Uh, and, and you need to be able to speak that lingo. So there's, there's a lot of educational assets, you know, from, from sales enablement perspective that you have to provide. Uh, and certainly just from, an, from, again, from that, you know, outbound perspective, you've got to have, you've got to be address those different audiences that are likely parts of your buying group. Yeah, so let's talk about that in more detail. How have you yeah. changed your product marketing approach to kind of meet these needs of the more stakeholders, more personas, more scrutiny, and almost a continuous selling process that, that uh, we're going yeah. to So four yeah. key initiatives that you've got to hit on, um, making the product marketing job a lot more um, challenging, but probably more fun too than is, ever is that what it is is that what yeah. it is? Oh, <laughs> are we having fun yet <laughs> <laughs> yeah it is actually it's, it's interesting it's not dull right um marketing is the gift that keeps on giving right it's a it's always evolving and i think um there's a couple things here right so i think the the one that comes to mind you know we talk about what's changed you know to meet these evolving needs especially when you think about consumerization different larger buying groups yeah. is, is the need for personalization that is uh, very specific, uh, you know, so there, you know, there are, there are, you know, ways to know that, that, you know, I know who you are when you visit my site, of course, right. And, and I understand how many times you've been there and I understand what you've looked at. And so the personalization level that can be done, um, not only in delivery of content on the web, but just in, uh, what, you know, we've, we've been seeing a, uh, some significant improvements in customized, uh, bots, right? So many of us, many of our listeners today, I'm sure, your listeners, they're not, they're not listening to me. They're only listening to you, by the way, Tom. They, they, <laughs> they, they, they're familiar. They'll use something like Drift, right? They'll use these bots. And it used to be, it's like, hi, can I help you? You know, uh, and, and, but part of that consumerization drive is, you know, many of us have found that when, you know, when you're on hold trying to get help for something and you're, uh, you are 57th in the queue and your wait time is approximately 10 days, uh, we'll send food. And, and so instead of that, you know, you, a bot comes up on the website and lo and behold, you're having a chat and you're getting your problem resolved in a you know, much shorter period of time, hopefully. And so 
in a, in a similar way because of that sort of experience, I think drives like the expectation that bots are okay. Uh, I know my personally, when I first saw bots on websites, like, you know, get out of here, right? You're just trying to, you just want my phone number. <laughs> and, but actually it turned out to be really helpful because the bot is actually driving you to the exact information or very likely the information that you want. And is actually asking you questions that are in, that, that are answered intelligently, mm -hmm. right? So based on your past experience, are you looking for more of this, more of this, more of this, or don't care? You pick an option. It gives you some suggestions. You're, so you're moving around, right? So the interactivity of all that, um, it really accelerates the process. And, and uh, in our experience at Commvault, we're seeing uh, dramatic improvements uh, in, in lead gen that eventually leads, that follows from that. So um, I think a lot of that is, um, so, you know, so there's, the, there's a value that I'm giving to the visitor that is accelerating their research time, mm -hmm. right? Back to the amount of research and the number of people. Um, if I can improve that, then I'm obviously I'm shortening my, shortening my time to sale. Um, but uh, I think all of, so I think there's fundamentally though, there's a need to um, deliver value, whether that, whether that value is uh, in the form of a bot and an automated response system. Um, you know, we've talked previously and, uh, you know, another, or another, another forums about, you know, the, the, the value of a, a value calculator. So helping the person that's doing research actually mock, you know, build out a, at least an estimate based on what the, the data they're entering to, to conceptually give them a, a guideline of what they might save with your, pro your product or the value they might receive from your product. And then of course, use that, uh, you know, think of, think of them as, you know, printing it out. If people actually print things out, I don't, I do have a printer, but you know, don't use it that much, but let's just say you printed it out. Let's just pretend for the, those of you playing along at home, you print it out and your, and your champion is walking along, you know, down the hallways and saying, we got to look at this product. This is fantastic. Of course, they're probably emailing a PDF, but that's okay. So, uh, you know, it's really about, uh, you know, how, how do I serve the customer better? How do I, how do I put, yes, yes, there is gain for us as marketers, of course, but there's a, uh, the way of delivering value to them faster. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that holistic view that sort of focuses on value, simplicity, uh, that, you know, that extends through the entire customer life cycle, by the way, right? It's not just to first purchase and then have a nice day, pat you on the back, see you, see you next time, get out. You know, there's, there's a continuation of that process, right? And that, and that is another key component that how we've changed that product marketing approach to not only obviously lead to sale, right? We're not running a charity. None of us, maybe some of us on the, on the listening are, but most of us are not running a charity. We're in this to make a profit and we are, uh, but that, but we are, that extends through the life cycle. So we sh we're shortening the time to that second purchase. Yeah. So I think one of the things in terms of the bot is um, information overload is a serious challenge that we yeah. face buyer groups, right? They're inundated with emails, proactively from solution providers that when they go to a site, they're often confused and made more confused a lot of times by the wealth of content that we're, we're all producing as product marketers. So I like um, your discussion of the bot to hopefully help curate uh, the content for mm -hmm. the buyer and kind of guide them and facilitate them in their decision-making process. I think that's important. I, I think you mentioned kind of the interactivity and the value-focused tools that are there to deliver insights, assessments, and advice. That's precisely personalized because it's asking a number of questions about the current state and the challenges the buyer's faced with, and then guiding them right to, you know, here's an assessment of where you're at, where you could be, and here's our advice for going forward. 
I think that's really important. And then, you know, you mentioned personas. Um, I'm sure industry-focused content is important as well. Absolutely. How are you pivoting your content today to, to kind of make it more relevant? Are you doing a lot of persona-based content, industry-based content, both? It, it's, a, it's a little bit of both. Um, I think, you know, what we... <laughs> You know, if if uh, if you're, I think the one of the conundrums we face as marketers is, you know, you don't want to create content for content's sake. You don't, you don't. None of us get paid by the content piece, right? Uh, if we did, then we'd all knock out, you know, paragraph each pieces and and uh, and, and and rake it in. But uh, the, the conundrum here is that you know you don't want to be doing that. Obviously, you want to be, you want to be efficient and 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 in all that. But you but but to your point, you've got to address more personas and potentially specific uh needs of verticals and mm -hmm. and which by the way have their own nomenclature and if you're not speaking that language then you're out of touch with them and they're less likely mm -hmm. to think you know what you're talking about right you know um so there is there is that so what we do is we you know listen I, I i think every every organization probably does something similar where take it you know you're you're in, a, in very close alignment with sales like when you're targeting a particular vertical because you have some specific benefits you can offer that vertical that no one else can um, then you do create those targeted assets, but you, um, depending on the scope and size of your organization, you may have to limit that, and you may have to start with a vertical specific uh, lingo or, or a way of targeting that audience, and then you need to kind of get back to the core values of what you deliver, mm -hmm. the ones that are horizontal in nature. And just because you, uh, generally speaking, um, you, you simply don't have the time, the people, the budget to create, you know, 30 different verticalized versions. Of a data sheet, we'll just pick on a data sheet. Data sheets are easy to pick on, right? So that's so that, that that's the trade-off. Is that you? I, we find often that you are you're 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 leading them back to the core fundamental value props that are applicable across all verticals. Uh, and then the other the other opportunity there, of course, is to leverage partners that have that subject matter expertise that you may not have in house, right? You just don't have someone that is, uh, you know, that that. Uh, I'm trying to pick a pick a pick a good example. Um, I mean, health well, healthcare. You know, there yeah. is 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 vast, and and uh, and there certainly is a is a lingo, and so um, you know you have to leverage others that have that capability that understand your core values and can deliver that in in a language that they're going to understand. Yeah. So employees or patients and you know staff or doctors and uh, right. nurses, and so yeah, there's just some subtle changes that can get you a long way. Um, I think can help. Um, let's focus on, I, I had the pleasure of interviewing um, Laura Ramos from Forrester recently, and right. um, they just polished up some post-pandemic research that I thought was really important. And one of the biggest findings, which is near and dear to both of our hearts in our collaboration is business models and ROI. That was mm -hmm. graded as the number one piece of content that buyers indicated as a format for getting the information they need to make better decisions. Um, tell us about your particular value programs and um, whether you agree or not with Laura Ramos's research. I mean, <laughs> I'm not gonna disagree with Laura from Forrester, I'll <laughs> tell you that right now. Uh, but um, but it's, I'm, I'm also gonna say that it's not shocking that a return on investment is important to a purchaser. Yeah, <laughs> my, especially the CF no in the COVID committee, right? Right, right. I was like, oh, not, not shocking, but um, but yeah. So, how do you deliver that? How do you how do you 
how do you how do you really get out in front with customers knowing that they want that knowing that that's the number one thing they're looking for they have to have that justification to go back to procurement right they have to go back and say look here's the numbers here's what everybody else is doing we're going to save a ton of money with this thing whatever it might be right so uh, a couple things we do uh, you know that that maybe a value so the one is um is doing regular customer surveys of the of your install base that's a tough one turns out right sounds like easy oh let's just do a survey well you know what uh, there's a lot of surveys out there. How many, how many emails do you get? Like, Hey, can you take our survey? Um, yeah, I just count the ones I get probably one a day. Yeah. Oh yeah. A lot. Right. And so yeah. it's like, no, I don't have time to take your survey. Thank you very much. And by the way, so in some of these surveys are, you know, you're not asking them three questions. You're asking them 15 or 20 to get the mm -hmm. num get the metrics and derive the metrics out of that, out of those results. Um, so you're, you're challenged by not doing and doing them too often by limiting the number of questions but being very, very careful about those questions to get the outcomes that you need, right? And you're always writing survey questions with the idea of what's the headline going to be when this thing comes back, right? So, um, so regular surveys to do to drive customer value metrics. So, so um, we 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 try to do them. You can't do them too often, like I said. Um, you know, we leverage tools like Tech Validate when we're when we're doing customer surveys when we want to do segmentation, especially like we only want to talk to our multi-cloud customers or we only want to talk to uh, you know, customers in a particular vertical, but we also then uh, do larger surveys across the install base where we, where we, and these are more likely to be once a year, maybe once every 18 months because of their scope and size. And you're looking for a large number of respondents, but you, what you get out of that is marketing gold. You get, you get metrics that you put on the front page of your website, right? On average, you know, uh, Commvault customers, you know, save, you know, huge amounts of number, uh, you know, uh, or realize a, a rapid return on their investment. They, they've reduced their risk mitigation by a significant number. You get those kind of metrics that are, that are, you know, proven, documented from, you know, from the mouths of your existing install base. Mm -hmm. um, and it speaks volumes to your prospects. Like, look, there is real measured value from this. You know, we, we really do try to keep our proof points, you know, um, uh, the challenge there is always to try to keep them fresh. You're also gathering proof points on an individual level, of course, through customer references and case studies and mm -hmm. metrics like that. But it's it's that combination, I think, that is is ultimately that you want to bring together in a way that is that is relevant for the visitor. Yep. And then what you did with us was you wound up taking those customer value metrics and we helped you to put that into interactive tools, correct? So that exactly. the program could scale and and kind of enable. Uh, visitors to the website to be able to assess themselves. So talk about some of the, the assets, uh, interactive content yeah. that was developed there. No, absolutely. We actually have uh, four different value calculators that we run now um, because just because this, and, and very likely are going to do more because they, as you start to segment back again, back to our favorite topic, personas, mm -hmm. they, uh, you know, the, the, their perspective, the way they look at it is not always product-based. It is, it is uh, business value-based. And so how you approach it can be a little bit different. Um, so, uh, so we, we, you know, classic scenario of seeing value in one leads to two, leads to three, leads to four, and, and, and so on and so on. Um, I think the, you know, the, 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 so the value in those is they, they turn out to be fantastic. Um, you think about it, it's a fantastic, fantastic, easy for me to say, lead gen tool, lead development mm -hmm. tool, right? Because when a lead, when someone goes to the trouble of, of, of is experimenting with that and generates a report, um, and they, and of course they're gated, right? So you don't, you don't just give away the, the, the farm, you, you, they, the, 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 uh, the visitor, you know, registers to get the final report. So they have that asset that they can take back and, and help justify further decisions. Um, but that's obviously a very well-qualified lead. 
um, that they've done that amount of homework, right? They're they're interested, right? They're not just they're 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 not just visiting your booth at a trade show and trying to win an iPad. It's a little different. Yeah, or clicked on a white paper (laughs) because the title was interesting or something like that. They've gone and they've given you some data points and spent some time looking at the assessment and then took the time to give you information to get the report, which is another whole level of interest. Yeah, so they they score high, right? They're they're coming in with a high score right out of the gate if they've gone there. And of course, they're tied into naturally, they generally have visited other things, they've looked at other assets. So they're they're coming in hot, as as it were. And the, the proof is in the pudding, as they say, you know, we see a, a higher percentage of those, you know, move into active opportunities and sales because just because they're at that more mature level, you know, they're doing their research and they're, they're already into the consideration or the selection phase, right? They're, now they're doing math. Yeah. And they're, and <laughs> so when they start doing math, they're like, okay, they're really, they're, they're, they're putting the they're proverbial pen to paper. They're, they're, now they're really thinking about it, right? Yeah. Um, I yeah. think one of the things I like about the tools is that there are some that are higher level business assessments, um, looking at capability and maturity and things like that. And then there are others that are very detailed. Uh, those, uh, you know, kind of Gartner total cost of ownership fans from way back when mm-hmm. they get really detailed into the the bits and bytes and the, the cost of, of the detail um, in the chart of accounts. So, uh, you know, th- I love how you've aligned it to the personas so that a more business oriented persona is getting more of a business assessment. And then the more technical um, stakeholders are getting a financial assessment on the technology. Right, right. And uh, I think it's, uh, you know, it, you know, thinking about the, you know, a, a very detailed uh, report like that, there's, there's, there's a short, the, the attention span of the average visitor is also shorter and shorter. Mm-hmm. Right? So I don't, I don't believe you can do that anymore. I don't think, I don't, I don't think you want to do that on your website. Uh, maybe you do, depending on the product. Maybe I'm, you know, can't put everything in the same bucket. But I think you know you've got to be sensitive to you know how easy it is to do and how long it how long it takes, right? Yeah. Um, and so, and, and I think you also have to be cautious about. Uh, sometimes I think people say, well, you know, this is an exact number that I'm going to be able to prove. You know, if and if I don't save exactly this amount of money and it's a dollar less than then uh, you know I'm going to be mad. It's like no, you, you have to. I think you have to you have to indicate to people first of all that some of the metrics they're entering into a value calculator online are going to be a little off, right? Mm-hmm. Just because they're human beings and they're entering data, and and uh, so your your mileage may vary, right? Your results may vary, and you have to be careful about that. You have to kind of be upfront about that. I think you have to say like, you know, uh, this is a this is a guide, um, but every single customer is unique. Your deployment is unique. In our case, anyway, um, you know, the the data environment can be vast, mm-hmm. and so therefore. There, there are often components of it or areas of it, regions, geographies that they're not even accounting for until yeah. they really get into it. So that's where you get into a, you know, you, you, you start getting into the details with the customer. Okay, how, how we've had this conversation. How big is your data environment? Like, I'm not really sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and okay, well, let's figure that out first, shall we? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, and then we can, we can do it. So I think the only the guideline there is that, you know, you, you certainly don't want to go too far with it. Um, and you want to you want to use it as a an estimate, not a guaranteed savings projector. Yeah. So that's one way to make sure that you're coming out credible with the prospects is making yeah. sure they know it's an estimate. The other ways you spoke about it, you're actually using real survey data and results from customers to estimate what that can be achieved, right? What are the other credibility factors that you bake in? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot. It's it, it's a uh, you know you, everything from 
uh, customer testimonials that may or may not have come from that particular survey that I referenced earlier, right? Individual case studies or just 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 secondary research. Um, In-house testing sometimes comes into it as well, right? Because you, you're just from a performance perspective of uh, that kind of thing. I think the other the other trickiest the trickiest part and where you never want to get caught, you don't want to look biased at the end of the day. Uh, yeah. You want to look like you, you want to attempt to do your best to be realistic, right? Because if you're you're overly optimistic and you know, it's like those charts you see on, uh, you know, some people's websites uh, where it's, you know, it's the it's the, the rating system and it's, you know, all the Harvey balls and it's all the balls and everything's filled out for us because we're, you know, five stars across the board and everybody else is terrible. They all have two, two stars. Well, no one believes that. That's a it's rubbish, right? No one, no one believes that. I was going to use another word, but this is a family show. And so this is, you know, so you can't, you immediately, when you do that, you immediately discount the entire survey or the entire calculator, entire projection you're trying to say, because you're, you're demonstrating your bias. Yeah. Just, just, you know, too, way too much. <laughs> we already suspect your bias. Don't, don't prove it. Don't yeah. remove all doubt. Don't remove all doubt. So especially when you're coming, when it comes to competition, you really, you know, if you, if you are doing any kind of comparison to competition that you, you really, you really strive to compare apples to apples. And the only way to do that oftentimes is, is to leverage what they publish or what other survey, other data sources have published about them. And document that, and you know, with all the all the citations, because and and work off list prices, yeah. And where we all, and but of course we all know we have to account for you know discounting, yeah. Um, because and just and and state that right. I think that's where citations come in clear. Like this information is based off you know publicly available information as of you know you know April fourteenth, two thousand twenty one. So or thereabouts. Just picked a random date there. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I think that you know, you're, you're right. You validate it in context. You validate it with the citations. You validate it with your source, being very upfront with your source data. Mm -hmm. By the way, the source data cannot be entirely stuff we came up with ourselves. Absolutely. Third party. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it needs to be third party. And, uh, and and when you when you encapsulate uh, es estimates of value, you know, that you're 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 wrapping it, if you will, in proof points, quotes, other statements from customers that. You know, we're not just making this up. Yeah. The other thing I think that's important uh, for folks to remember is when they're going to put this out on their website, you don't want to have it where you enter three numbers and you get a magical result out and you can't drill into what are the assumptions and then you can't challenge the assumptions. Uh, I think that black box magical calculators don't really do us very much good, right? So you have to have, you don't want to have it where you're overly complex, which you said the short attention span theater online, but at the same time, you don't want it to be just move one slider, get a magical result, and you can't see how it was calculated, can't change any of the assumptions or anything else. And I yeah. think you've yeah. got a good balance in what you're delivering in the um, Commonwealth calculator set where there is a simplicity to it where you can enter just a few data points to get a result, but then you can click and drill and click and drill exactly. again and then exactly. kind of get to the underlying assumptions and actually change them and edit them. And I think there's some value in this may, may be anathema to some, but I think there's some, let's just say outlier scenarios where you actually come out behind. Yeah. Um, and they may not be that realistic, but you, you just to account, hey, look, you know, in this weird scenario, Sometimes, I mean, maybe labor you know? costs are so low for you because you've outsourced to um, to a, a certain area in the pack rim where the labor costs are way lower than anything else. And most of the savings are labor. And, you know, the, you could flip that business case. And I think that's right. good to right. have that. It, it's like, okay, well, you, 
congratulations for, to you, sir. You are uh, you can do this a different way if you wish. And yeah, uh, exactly. Know, because you know. you know, if you make a case that's not realistic, you know, this is as you said, product marketing has changed to this much longer game now. Um, yeah. I mean, we've got a, a more people to convince more quickly, but at the same time, we're playing a long game because it's all about the renewals and that continuous sale and expanding and growing the business with the customer over and over again. So if you're presenting an unrealistic business case right up front and they immediately get disappointed, they're not going to renew. No, no, they won't be back. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So when it comes to, you know, what's next as, as a product marketer, what's your advice to, you know, you look at the changing buyer, you look at this potential engagement gap we have, if we don't keep pace with the consumerization, the multiple stakeholders, all the changes that are occurring, what's next for you? And, and what are you looking at your practice to improve, to meet these changing expectations and continually close this engagement gap? Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a never-ending battle, is what I would say. <laughs> um, I think one of the one of the things, and, and um, I know a lot of a lot of companies do this, but it's so it's. But I think one of the things that we is, is there seems to be more and more of them all the time. But you know, you have to have better engagement with um, and more involvement with third-party advisor sites. Is for one, um, there's just so many these days, right? Yeah. You know, if you if you want to do a quick search on a company and then look for alternatives to that company, you are presented with a list of you know, everything from, you know, G2 to, you know, trust radius to, I mean, there's a, there, I, I did it not long ago. There's a bunch of companies I've never heard of before. There's a, there's a lot of folks out there and probably some more authoritative than others, but um, this, this, this idea of crowdsourcing, right. And, and the okay. fact that you've got to get as part of that, your that extended research, people are looking for sources other than the vendor's testimonials. Um, not to say the customer case studies and customer references aren't valid. They're critical. Uh, and, and, and really, you know, one of the absolute best things you can have from a selection criteria or a selection asset, but um, those and, and third party analyst firms, right, that where they mm -hmm. are reporting back on the inquiries, right, so uh, that's something that we also, you know, strive for and are <clears throat> very proud of the results that we get back from the foresters and the gardeners of the world that analyze our, our software. Um, and those are actually some of the most popular assets when we look at engagement uh, on our website. Right? That people are eventually looking for validation. Is this safe to buy? Is this the yeah. best choice? Right? Yeah, that Forrester wave yep. or the Gartner magic quadrant from back in my Gartner days, right? Oh yeah, 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 absolutely, right. And the, hey, those things still, still those things carry a lot of weight. They are they're yeah. very important, and the and the thorough because of their their thoroughness, right? You know, yeah. they're they're exhaustive when you're a <laughs> when you're a vendor uh, going through a Gartner uh, magic quadrant response or a Forrester wave response. You've got your work cut out for you. They they're, they are uh, detailed. And excruciating. It's probably a absolutely, good but analysts, years, yeah, analysts as a source um, for kind of um, credibility, peers as a source, customers. Um, yeah. you know, definitely that third-party validation is important. And you know, Les, what I'm seeing is that you know there was a time where you wanted to kind of shake up the buyer status quo with an emotional pitch, right, challenger. When we think yeah, of right. the challenger sale and corporate executive board, and you know. Buyers are still freezing at do nothing. So there's a lot of validity in terms of trying to address status quo, but they're yeah. also so stressed right now. If you go at them with that emotional message of fear, uncertainty, doubt, you know, it yeah. can actually have the opposite effect. And the challengers actually, I've interviewed a few of the um, principals, you know, they're changing their method a little bit. 
Um, yeah. Logic is another way, right? You, you have the business case and it's the number one piece of content. You've got to logically convince a broader buying group to go and move uh, towards a proposed solution. And they want to have the proof point and the justification to do that. But I think you're hitting on something in that I used to have it where emotion was kind of 50% of the buying decision. Logic was 25%. And then trust, which is what we're talking about with the analysts, the peers, the customers was 25%. Post-pandemic, trust is 50%. Yeah. And yeah. Lo you know, the logic is 25% still, and the emotion is 25%, but trust has taken a primary role in the buying decision process. Um, yeah, yeah. Talk no, about I think that. Do you, do you believe that in, you know, kind of? Oh, I don't believe a word of it. Okay. No, I do. I just well, I don't have that. scientific proof for it, right? So, so we're just two no, guys absolutely. talking about an opinion about it. So what are, you, are you seeing the same yeah. thing? Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think it was driven by the pandemic, right? I think, yeah, I think FUD no longer works. It's not as effective, you know, mm -hmm. trying to strike fear in the hearts of, of, of folks. That, that's, that's, um, I think people have gotten tired of that too. Like I've got enough fear just with the world around me. I don't need it yeah. coming from you. Thanks so much. Um, so what I think people are looking for is that trusted advisor. And I know yeah. that's a cliche phrase. I don't know. But, but what we've seen is to validate your point is that when you are, when you are seen as the authority, right? When you're creating assets that present you as an authority. Um, so we see that a lot with blogs, longer form mm -hmm. blogs that are, you know, longer form web pages, right? You think, Oh, a web page has got to be really concise. Like, Actually, no, because um, the way you're ranked by Google or other search engines is that you are, because there are others, that you, that you in fact, are, that you, your authority is boosted, authority. you rank yeah. better, and it drives better attention. Uh, and obviously, you have to know what you're talking about, but, um, and you, you know, you're not just playing with keywords, but you are, in fact, uh, that, that, that drives up attention, it drives up performance of your web page. We've seen, we have seen significant improvement uh, in time on page, right? Um, you know, we, we, we do like everybody else does, right? You know, you do your heat maps and track mm -hmm. where people are going and all that. And just the, just the, uh, the time spent on the website. Um, it's not just because of the length of the asset, by the way, right? They're going to, they're, they're, the bounce rates are down there. You know, so mm -hmm. the, 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 the click through on, on CTAs is up. So there's, there's a, you're, you're getting better attention um, for not, all, you, you can't overdo it, of course, but to that long form content that positions you as a trusted advisor for that particular topic. Yeah. Um, Right. So we, you know, for example, we focus on um, multi-cloud data manager, hybrid cloud environments, right? Protecting those. Everyone, everyone is a hybrid cloud customer. Every company is, and I would argue every company on earth is hybrid cloud customer, is mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Or 99.9%. Or yeah. yeah. Uh, right. Or ransomware is a very hot topic. How in the world do I recover from ransomware? Right? And, mm -hmm. and, and, and how do I make sure my business stays online? Well, that's, you need to know what you're talking about there. People are looking for authority, looking for trust. And along with those testimonials, along with the validation, um, and they're, and then they want to work their way down into the more technical content and eventually get to how you do it. But it's all mm -hmm. about, um, the fact that you can, and, uh, and that it's proven. Yeah. Connecting with them for that authoritative advice and building trust in that process, I think is important. And is that how I know that your market space is one, um, I cut my teeth in a real long time ago in the backup marketplace. Um, um, it's been around for a while. It has certainly yeah. gone through changes, but okay. very competitive. I mean, it's ultra oh, yeah. competitive and there's oh, new yeah. solutions out all the time, even though it's been, a, been an area that's been around for a while. How do you differentiate in such a crowded marketplace? Is it through this authority approach? 
Um, it, it is. It, that's really one of the, one of the best ways to do it. One of the ways to do it. I think that you're right. This uh, you know backup and recovery data protection. It's one of the things that everybody needs, and it's not new. And there are a lot of players in it, right? So how do you differentiate? Well, one obviously you differentiate on you know flexibility, functionality, you know, and uh, capabilities, of course. You, but that that bubbles up into your story. That's, mm -hmm. That, yeah, we're not. None of us are leading with feature and function. Hey, look at my look at my functionality checklist on the homepage. Yeah. No, I don't think so. But you're, but you are, you are delivering. You know, you're you're, you're able to showcase value in the, in the fact that you can address a much wider scope of needs and desires for, from customers than than your competitors, right? And and the and and data points and proof points, the authorities blogs in some cases showcase that. You because in that way you can showcase like we, we play against some very large competitors, mm -hmm. uh, companies of much greater size, and and uh, so you know they they dwarf us in size or I'm sorry they're, they're much larger than us but they they uh, you know but we we run circles around them in capability so you have to be able to talk about those differentiators work them into the story of why they matter right right and um, and 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 showcase that value so that I mean that's really the primary way that there's there's a because like I said, there's a host of individual checkbox items that probably every vendor, depending on their perspective and time of day and phase of moon, can go, you know can check off and say, you know, well, we're better than so and so and so and so. Um, but um, when when that when when you roll that up into a compiled set of value, you know, components, that's when it that's when it matters. Yeah. Right. So so um, so there's you know like so when we when we talk about the ability for you know let's let's pick something simple, simple. Um, you know. Commvault is an example, right? Because I, it's my example. But it's Commvault is, you know, is able to drive drive significant cost reduction, just because of the fact that you can cover a much wider, you know, scope of your data environment than you can with other products. So you, why would I pay for three things? Why do I pay for three cars when I only drive one? Right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, maybe if it's a sports car, that's different, Tom. Right? But, but okay. <laughs> But you only you can only use one. Don't I want I want to I want to consolidate. I want to simplify. And I, by the way, I don't have endless IT staff. I don't have endless resources. I really need mm -hmm. to do that. Um, for and especially in the face of just never-ending data growth. So, um, but so you have to be able to showcase that. You have to be able, you know, and you can prove that with lo and behold things like value calculators um, and and other things that you can literally showcase. Look, you, it should seem obvious that I would save money by buying one product instead of three. But you still want to be able to showcase that sure. and, and, and be able to help people see that there's real value there. And connecting to the data explosion or the um, budget constraint challenges as an authority is kind of a way to get out there to connect to that use case and make sure you're, you're um, coming across as differentiated with the um, story. But at the same time, you've got to make sure you're connecting with authority to the use cases and the challenges that the buyer's faced with, but then be able to back it up with the with the solution and the justification to exactly. make sure that that you can deliver. Yep, yep. And then uh, and, and ultimately, look, that gets back to you know you know keeping happy customers, right? Um, when they when they do it, one they are they they are realizing the value you predicted. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> they are realizing the functionality benefits. You know, in our case, would be faster time to recovery, business continuity, ensuring you know that you can rapidly recover from a disaster or a ransomware attack or what have you. That you're in line with your compliance and governance concerns, all those things. Like, oh, wait a second. Okay, this is, you know, there, there should be that feeling of, yeah, I'm definitely going to re up when that when that when that subscription comes back around, right? We're, we did get that value, so yeah. that gets back to that rapid, you know, return on investment. You got to be it, it has to happen quickly and and be realized and and sort of sink into the mindset of the customer 
so that they are they they you know they they are happy and they do re-up. I think what's coming through to me is that this this authority, this trust, this justification, you know, it all has to be woven into this story, and that ultimately it's the story that differentiates. Um, and I think as product marketers, you know, the, yeah, we're storytellers. When that's right, we day. should be. Yeah. We should be. We better be. Yeah. We better be telling. Not good about story, features, right? function, price. It's about having the best story, and that's ultimately what helps to sell at the end of the day. That's exactly right. Excellent. Well, what's the one piece of advice you'd like to leave our Volvo's oh. community with today, Lance? What would I? What the one piece of advice I'd like to leave for the audience? Um, you know what? I would just say that you know, Classe Azul Reposado is a phenomenal tequila, and it's really worth your trying. That's what I would I would suggest. That's one piece of advice. Um, take that. Awesome. <laughs> And, well and needed the, during the, uh, the, you know, quarantine right. or even coming out of quarantine to, to get out there and experience again at the, at your local bar. There you go. Well, that might not have been the advice you're looking for. I think, um, <laughs> I think really what it comes down to is, you know, we talk about value to our customers, you know, but the one thing you don't want to do is just stop talking about yourself. No one, no one cares, but you apparently, right. I, I know, you know, we, we, everybody likes everybody's favorite topic is themselves, but from a, from a company perspective, you know, talk about the value you deliver your customers. I, I can't tell you how many times I go to a website or look at something and it's we, 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 this, we, that, we, this, it's we, we, we all the way home, right? Yeah. It's like three little Love things. That. And uh, it's really annoying to be honest. And, and, and it's not, there's nothing about value. You know, it's, it's I, I didn't wake up in the morning and say, I really want to search on your product name. Yeah. It's searching to solve a problem. It's back yeah. to pain points. It's, it's motherhood and apple pie in that regard, but you're, if you're, you've got to address the pain points, talk to value and, 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 no one cares that, you know, on your first slide that you have, you know, 10,000 employees and three offices worldwide. And, you know, no one cares. Um, just talk to me about the value. Yeah. As a storyteller, it's all about the hero and the hero is not you. It's right. the customer. And You're going to be the hero. Yeah. Enough. The customer yeah. is the hero. Customer and is gonna, the hero. Exactly. And we will supply the case, but yeah. you're going to be the hero. Exactly. exactly. How can the Evolver community find and reach you online, Lance? Uh, my, my picture is in uh, most major post offices, um, but <laughs> no, the, uh, no, you can reach me uh, on LinkedIn, uh, Shaw Lance. Uh, very clever. I, I guess I got in early, didn't, because uh, yeah. S-H-A-W Lance. And, and uh, you can reach me on Twitter uh, at LTShaw711. Awesome. Lance, thank you so much for joining us on the Evolvers to make it a great and growing community. Yeah, my pleasure, Tom. Great, great conversation. A lot of fun and uh, hopefully worthwhile to all of your great listeners. Thank you so much. Until next time, Evolvers, keep evolving.